This is a podcast from Rover. All right, I always enjoy catching up with our next guest. That is Shane Bird, who is a former New Zealand farmer, rodeo man through and through, and now he is a life coach over in Sydney. Shane, how you doing, buddy? Very good, thank you. Great to be here again. I saw an interesting post from you the other day, and it started with the number 4,383. Explain to the listeners, Shane, why that is significant to you. Gosh, it's a big number, isn't it? It's not bad. Yeah, she's a big number. Yeah, look, it's in relation to, uh, I believe, is that the number of days? Did I work out the number of days since I quit drinking? Was that right? Yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, Twelve years, basically, since you stepped back and what you uh, deem as taking control of your life. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was, uh, well, it's actually, I guess it's fit in there, because it was 2010. So I quit drinking in 2010, and I'd been, um, oh, I don't know, I'd been drinking basically since high school and was, I guess you'd call it your classic New Zealand binge drinker. Like, I wasn't necessarily an alcoholic where it was like every night and, and getting tanked, but if I was, here's how I explain it, if I was having one, I was having 21. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. being in the rugby world, in the rodeo world, you know, you catch up with your mates after the game and stuff, and I was like, oh, well, <laughs> it looks like we're having a night of it. Yeah. And it was just became too much. So, yeah, I made the decision there back in 2010 to, to give it all up. So when you say give it all up, does that mean you've completely abstained in that time? Yeah, haven't had a... uh, I'll say I haven't had a single beer, but I'll say this. I haven't had a single beer by choice because, (laughs) funny story, about a month ago we had some friends over and they left some beers in our fridge and one of them was a light, I don't know, more than light or something. It was like a 3.5%. Yeah. And I had some Zeracopin next to it and I drank one of these more than light 3.5% and I thought, oh, after I finished I went, oh, that was actually a real beer. But uh, I mean, <laughs> no boy choice, mate. No boy choice. Yeah, and so it was something that you've uh, that you decided at that time uh, was the right thing to do. Did you feel that it was just going to, I don't know, spiral, or that you weren't going to get out of the, the the rut, or was it a I don't know, was it a health thing, a mental thing? What was sort of the impetus behind that decision? Up until that point, I thought it was going to spiral, and I wasn't going to get out of the rut, and. I wasn't really sure, like, I understand now why I was drinking and why it was important to stop drinking, but at the time, I just knew it wasn't right. Yeah. And the reason being was I was at that point where every night I was going out, I was blacking out from about 10 o'clock onwards, 11 o'clock onwards, but still drinking till 4 or 5 in the morning and waking up in the morning and going, what the heck have I done? And, and, and asking myself, where am I sometimes? Just waking up in random places. So Jesus, that's I, hardcore. It is, it is. And that was the part that probably scared me a little bit. Like, I thought, well, shit, like, I can't even handle, you know, getting past 10 o'clock. So, and I tried, like, I, I looked at different ways. And I thought, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll just quit the spirits. But you know what it's like at the bar. Someone, you know, you have a few beers and then the round of spirits come. So I just decided that I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to quit everything. And once I broke it down afterwards, I realized the reason why I was doing it. So growing up, all I wanted to do was fit in. Like, I didn't really feel like I had any friends at school or anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially at primary school and high school. So I wanted to fit in and just be part of the crowd. And I found a way to do that. And that's because, you know, in late high school, everybody starts drinking and stuff. So I thought, oh, well, everyone else is doing it. I'll do that because then I'll be part of the boys, you know, part of the group. Yeah. And then what I realized was unconsciously I downloaded this belief that the way for me to fit in was just to be a party animal. So I, I took on this as a belief that could serve me. So I thought, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to be the best at, I'm going to be the best in, at doing this. So I just would be the one that would always try and stay out till the late, or till the early hours in the morning, stay out the latest, so that I had the stories, so that at least the next day, also everybody would be talking to me because when we're drunk, we're all talking, and I want that to continue. So I thought, well, I'm going to make a story out of this night, so that we will talk about it in the morning, so then I feel I'm connected.
Man, that is a uh, familiar story, isn't it? You're, what you just outlined there is the case for so many people. Yeah, 100%. And I just realised like, I realized when I was 30 that it was an unresourceful way that was damaging not just myself on an emotional level, but people around me and all of that as well. So that's when the decision came to quit. I um, have a interesting uh, relationship with alcohol. So I had an injury when I was younger, and I was literally drinking uh, whiskey for breakfast at one stage. And uh, much like you, um, you know, the rugby scene and all that sort of stuff. And uh, you know, I basically uh, always look forward to the weekend where you could, uh, you know, get on it and that sort of thing. And a few years ago, I don't know, I started to recognise that if I didn't drink, that my body was feeling great, my mind was feeling great, and slowly and gradually and I never did uh, like I couldn't tell you how many days it's been or whatever because I still have the occasional drink and quite enjoy it right but um, generally speaking 90 to 95 percent of the time I'm just like yeah yeah nah not really and uh, and it's fine and you do go through a few awkward stages socially with people until they kind of realize oh he just doesn't drink but it doesn't mean he's any less of a person i think that's one of the big ones too isn't it you sort of think oh geez what are people going to think here but i sort of don't really care yeah it's, it is and the peer pressure especially in those environments with the rugby and the rodeo and stuff it's like a lot of people just joke oh he won't last being sober and all this stuff but really i mean it does it takes a toll on your mind of like oh maybe you know it starts planting that seed maybe i won't last maybe i won't you know all this. So, I um I, I played a little trick on everyone. Uh, I just didn't tell anyone. Yeah. I um I was just saying to them like at the end of it was in February that I, that I decided, and so we had some radio gets over in March, and I just said, oh, it's right, boys, it's right tonight. I'll drive for the last few radios. Yeah, right. And then I got out of that environment, and then when it came to the rugby season, I was the same. I was like, oh, you're right, boys. Oh, I'm just going to head home tonight, or I'll just drive you guys tonight. Mm-hmm. So I was putting my hand up to still be in the environment as one of the boys, one of the mates, but just not drinking and just saying, using the the, uh, the excuse that I would drive. And then it was about eight months later, someone said to me, they go, hey, Bertie, when was the last time you had a drink? I said, oh, about eight months ago. Mm. They go, oh, I said, yeah, I decided to quit. So then by then, I had been known as a non-drinker. So then the peer pressure didn't come on because it came with the respect that I could do it for eight months. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, yeah, but but normally it's like eight days. Someone goes, oh, you won't last, mate. They say it as a joke, but it's just that subliminal messaging. So then you take it on and go, oh, maybe I won't last. How have the um th- that that sort of peer pressure situation? So that was a good way of dealing with it. I guess you get some people who go, "Oh, look at you, you pussy," that sort of thing, because that happens, you know. Like, and but often I find with that, it's a reflection on that person who's saying it rather than on the uh, you know on the target of that, which is you. Yeah, and this could happen another whole conversation. Maybe our next call to talk about this. Yeah. But see, uh, when people when people challenge you and judge you like that. What they're really saying is, if I was you, I couldn't do that. Yeah. So if you've got someone who said, oh, you won't last, what they're really saying is, I won't last. That's it, exactly. It's their their opinion about themselves, not their opinion about you. Yeah, well, that's really interesting stuff. Um, I think if you're comfortable with how you are and not really second-guessing it, I think that that kind of works. But, I mean, when we look at alcohol, it's um, such a major part of everyday life. I mean, we drink when a baby's born, we drink when someone dies, we drink when we're graduating, when it's Friday, when it's a footy game, we, you name it, you know what I'm saying, weddings, anything. It's all, it all revolves around booze. 
Yeah, it does, and it's it's just that. Well, it's because it brings people together, and that's exactly why I was why I was drawn to it because it brought me together to the to the group of you know the lads, and I felt like I fitted in. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I guess you know, um, at the end of the day, if you're comfortable with it yourself, then uh, you know other people will also be as well. And plus, you're sorting out the people that you kind of want to be in your life and those that you don't. Because if you know, if drinking is the marker for someone to like and respect you, then well, you know, you can do without them. Exactly right. You did right. Like really, ask yourself like of those people that you hang out with like are they the best people to be hanging around with so um, I will just finish on this like if anyone is thinking about giving up drinking like do what I did and ask yourself for what purpose are you drinking and it's probably a little bit hard to see while you're in the environment but like the reflection on it afterwards like my purpose was to fit in to feel like I was accepted so when you can really dig down and find out what's your deeper purpose of actually drinking then ask yourself well if I don't need to drink like what's a more resourceful way to to meet that purpose so I just found that what I learned actually was by having better deeper conversations while sober I felt I built deeper uh, connections and friendships through that so yeah if anyone's thinking about drinking is just ask yourself what's that real reason that we're drinking and what's a more resourceful way to find that to meet that same reason or to meet that need Outstanding, good chat, Shane Bird. As always, appreciate it. And uh, the easiest way to people for people to find you is on Facebook. What do they type in? Yeah, mate. Uh, just look me up, Shane Bird, on Facebook, or you can join my free group. And you just type in the internet browser that elitecoachgroup.com. Wonderful, good man. Uh, we'll talk again in a couple of weeks. Rural Focus, brought to you by Carter's Tyres, specialists in ag tyres, supporting NZ farmers for thirty-five years. All right, what have I got for you today? I can tell you that there's that trade delegation in India at the moment. There's a large New Zealand trade delegation over there, but apparently uh, we're not to expect any major trade deals. So this delegation's about 50 strong, and it wants to deepen ties with the Indian business community rather than seeking trade deals. That's according to Stephen Jacoby uh, from the New Zealand International Business Forum. He's the executive director there. Uh, he's part of the trade delegation, and uh, he said the free trade agreement is not on the agenda at this time. He says the prospect of New Zealand getting special access for selected sectors like sheep meat in India is also out of the question. So there you go. I'm sure they'll uh, come back with with something, a couple of headlines or something from uh, from that particular delegation over there. We'll chat with someone actually next week or so when they're back. We'll find out what they actually did over there. I think that'll be a good thing to do. We'll do that. That'll do for today. Oh, actually, I think Beef and Lamb is still looking for uh, sheep poos as well. It's this groundbreaking facial eczema research project, and uh, they want farmers to take part in this. It's a three-year study, and it's going to help uh, Beef and Lamb understand how widespread facial eczema actually is in this country, and it'll help fill gaps in our understanding of its prevalence and whether a warming climate is actually having an effect on its distribution. Uh, we might do more on this as well. So uh, things to come here on the Rex Daily Podcast over the next week or so. Don't forget to check out rexonline.co.nz and download the damn podcast, people. Just do that. Uh, your life will be richer for it. That's our show. Great to have your company as always. Catch you back tomorrow. It's-